Welcome to Raising Up Cops, the podcast about raising Coptic kids in Western culture. I'm here. My name is Madonna with my lovely co-host, Laura. Now, if you recall last week, we talked a little bit about what it means to serve and who serves and things like that, right? Well, we ended up getting a really interesting follow-up email that Laura is going to read to you, and we thought it would be a great discussion for today. So go ahead, Laura. Yes, I, I received this email, and I felt like the topic was perfect for us, especially as a follow-up to last time. So what does a Sunday school servant do when her own teenager leaves the faith, has sex, drinks, vapes, does poorly in schools, sneaks out of the house, dresses inappropriately, and so on? Certainly she should seek counsel from her spiritual advisor, but should that servant still serve? True, none of us is worthy to serve, but is she less worthy because she cannot influence even her own child? Does her poor relationship with her child affect her ability to serve other children in a positive way? I am living that nightmare and struggling with these thoughts. Wow, that kind of broke my heart. So up until... Um, and I was telling Laura this, that when I was reading this email, up until that last line, I was like, oh, that's kind of judgy, isn't it? To kind of like look at somebody and think, oh, they can't serve and they're not worthy to serve. But the redeeming part of that email was that she herself was struggling with this. And um, I had lots of thoughts, but Laura, tell me, what was your initial reaction to reading that email? So my first thought, actually, which I feel like my perspective was jarred a little bit because as I read it, I was thinking about how sometimes we have deacons in the church who are struggling with something and we are used to being like, how can that person serve at the altar? Like, how can that person be up there? We are kind of used to being that kind of judginess, right. Mm -hmm. Um, About other people. And I was like, wait a second, but being there, if you know, when I'm responding to this, being there in the service actually is the saving grace. And so I'm sure it's the same for deacons as well, that being there at the altar is what makes the course corrections happen. I, I always say that like, it's not that I need to serve it. No, it's not that the service needs me. It's that I need the service, right? That the service is for me. So I feel like, I felt like it was a really good paradigm shift all of a sudden to think, well, wait a second, like, is your ability to, to run your own life currently clarify Mm. currently an influence on whether or not you can or should serve what do you think madonna so i knew what my gut reaction was but i decided to i was sitting next to my dad when laura sent me this email um to begin with and i thought let me just read it out loud and see what he thinks and he had the best answer his answer was that jesus christ was the greatest teacher of all time And even he couldn't influence everybody. There were so many people that didn't do what they were supposed to do, but that didn't make him less of a teacher, did it? And I thought about that and I said, man, like it has less to do with you as a teacher and more about the reception of the person and their heart and the state of their being um, and the condition that they're in. So you could be doing everything right and still lose some people. We've seen it so many times. And now this kind of thought process, Laura, brought me into another question, which was, okay, this is a question about what if I can't even influence my own family? Should I serve? 
But what if you yourself are not doing the things you're supposed to be doing? You are not acting by a quote unquote code of conduct and you're still serving. What do you think in that term? So I think we need to be careful because we don't want to be hypocrites either, right? Like we don't want on Sunday and Sunday school to tell our kids one thing and then have them see us the following Friday night doing the opposite of what we've just said, right? We don't want to be poor representatives of the faith, but there is an understanding that we are, we are all weak. We all have weaknesses. We all have things that we're struggling with. And, and I know, you know, I was reading this email over and I was thinking, you know, I was serving while I was a rebellious teenager. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the service is what saved me. Like that that idea of having to go back and tell the kids something and then realize, wait, I'm not doing that. I need to go back. Even now when I have to go on Sunday and tell them, you know, remember to read your Bible. Then when I forget to read my Bible, I'm like, wait a second, you told the kids so-and-so, so you need to get on it. Right. So I feel like that maybe there are some limits or boundaries to that, but in so many ways, the service is what saves. Amen. And I, I immediately thought of the same thing, Laura. I, I went back into my own years of when I was super heavily involved as a young person, single, out there, whatever. And I made plenty of mistakes and I was still serving. And I really feel like that's the thing that tied me to the church. That sense of responsibility to the service is what kept me on track, even though I wasn't fully on track, right? Like you derail a few times, but it, it, it was like a fishing line, you know, like I would cast the net far away and then I would draw it back in. Cause it'd be like, you can't do that. Like you can't act like that. And I would hate, you know, it's the same idea as who's allowed at church, you know, like we say a church is for, is a hospital, right. Of it's not, you know, the, the, we're not the room of doctors. We're not the doctors. Right. And so it's, interesting to think that we would be turning away a servant who this is their step in the door. This is the way that they want to start. And you're right. Like people might look at them and know what they do on the outside and say, what a hypocrite. They're not doing the right thing. And I actually remember, Laura, I don't know if this happened at your church, but I remember we used to joke around with each other. Like when we'd see one of the boys like goofing off, we'd be like, oh, and you call yourself a deacon? Ha 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 ha. And like things like that. And that would be the way that we like I don't know, made fun of them, but it was kind of like a little ping in the side to remind them that you can't just act however you want. Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like we, I feel like serving, like you said, is one of those things that saves and I wouldn't feel comfortable pushing people out of the door, but I do know, of course, there's a limit. There has to be a limit, right? Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of, I love that you specified the difference between the sins you are committing and the sins someone under your influence is committing, right? Like I was Mm -hmm. thinking specifically about St. Monica, like she was a very faithful woman who prayed and I am certain she had a service in the church and she didn't say, oh, Augustine is off doing whatever. Let me stop serving because I'm not worthy. She said, let me double down on my service as a, like as a sacrificial prayer for his eventual salvation, right? Like she was not less of a servant because he took a really long time to get where he was supposed to go. Yes, I agree totally. And that's such a great example too. I love the story of St. Monica and St. Augustine. And we know St. Augustine went on to be amazing, right? Like the the prayers of his mother definitely saved him in many ways. Um, But this kind of brought me to another discussion that I had recently, Laura. And, um, Okay, 
we have talked before about when a mother becomes a mother, there is a huge shift in her identity. There's a huge shift in who she becomes. And there's this period of like rebuilding yourself. You're trying to figure out who you are, what you mean, how you function, all of those things. And it just dawned on me recently when I was having discussion with some friends that the same thing happens to those people who are serving very um, diligently in the church, specifically as deacons, okay? And here's what I mean. We see a lot of people that end up having babies and they cannot serve as deacons the way that they used to want to because now they have this infant or they have these babies or toddlers who need them during the service. When we grew up, and we've talked about this before, we've seen where the, the mom is stuck with the children. She's hardly praying. She's kind of rallying them in the church. And the deacon's up there doing his thing and not serving, like he's serving the church, right? And I feel like a lot of men, not to make a general statement, are struggling with this idea that how do I leave my service in the church in order to sit with my family and help with my kids? And I and I don't know if you've seen kind of that same mindset. It gets really hard to see that serving your family is a service to God still, even if it means saying no to one thing to help with that thing. What do you think? Absolutely. You know, I, I know that we struggled with this um, when we had our first child because we were, you know, Abuna wasn't a priest yet. And it was very difficult for him. Um, it actually wasn't difficult for him. He made the decision very easily. He would dress as a deacon and then he would come back and help me whenever he needed help. We were in a nice um, family oriented church. And so it was easy for him to come stand in the back with me if needed and be with me and be with our daughter or take her up there with him if he needed to. Um, and I remember someone made a comment to me, like, you know, how could you keep him from serving or something like that? Oh, and I, and I definitely was like, first of all, it's his choice. Like he, this was, he's doing it because he knows it's the right thing to do. Not because I made him, do it, yeah. <laughs> you know? And then, um, and second of all, like you said, I think we've heard so many different like in the online sphere, so many different maternal comments about how taking care of your children is worship, you know, take like bringing, just bringing them is in itself worship. And a lot of times we skip the fact that this also applies to the men, that they are also serving in this way. Like when they are serving their family and helping, they are worship. This is their worship. You know, it's not less valid or valuable. In fact, it might be more because it's fulfilling the purpose of that time. So I feel like um, it's this idea that we have to wrap our heads around that we are all that we are all serving, actually, that every single person in the church is a servant. If the church is, is a hospital for sinners, it's also a conference room for servants. You know, we're all getting together and we're getting fed so that we can serve in 10,000 different ways. Right, right. And I think that, you know, again, this is one of those things that um guys have to re-identify themselves because if you're one of those people who is very used to showing up right at 8 a.m. before the service starts even and you're setting up and you're getting dressed as deacon and you're like the head deacon for whatever reason or if you're one of those people who likes to stay late for tizbaha and you you know attend all the vespers you attend all the spiritual days you attend all those things once you have a family that changes the ability to do that changes drastically a, you cannot you cannot drag your family to every single one of those things because it's not practical for your children. And B, you cannot serve maybe in the same 
magnitude that you did in that way, right? But your service just looks different. And I think that in this particular situation, um, these guys were really struggling with letting go of the service and getting, and it was actually causing a little bit of a divide in the family because what was happening was, you know, the kids made us late again. And the kids are always like, you know, they're, they're crying during service. I can never pray. I can never this. And I said, what a unique way for the devil to war you. You know, what a unique way he brings it in church. Like he gives it to you at church and says, the thing that is supposedly for God is what's keeping you fighting with your family. And that right there should be a red flag that it's not from God to serve in that capacity right now. If it's causing so much problems between you and your family, then it's not, maybe it's considered that that's not what you're meant to be doing right now. Yeah, right um, now. And I think that's something that's very important to know that these things are temporary, you know, like this exactly. state is temporary, whether we're talking about, you know, the children when they're young or the children when they're teenagers and rebelling, you know, that is, um, that is a temporary thing. And I think that's one of the, so to go back, like, I think we can find an excuse not to serve at every age and stage, yes. right? But th- we can also strive to serve within reason or within, within a healthy way, you know? So for example, you know, maybe your teenager needs you to be there on some Sundays in order to stand with him or her um, longer in church or, or like to escort them to their own Sunday school class or even take them out to coffee and talk about God after liturgy instead of, you know, whatever. Maybe there's a way that that time can also be used to increase service to your own um, child. But again, that does not mean that your service has to stop. Even as a deacon, I would say, you know, I don't think Madonna is saying never go to Tisbeha again. Right. You know, just understand that like, okay, so you can't take the kids. So maybe your wife sacrifices that night so that you can go to an occasional Tisbeha. Or maybe you all go, but for Vespers and you leave early and you make peace with that. You know, I think or vice versa, you stay and your wife gets to go to Tisbeha too, right? Wouldn't I have to mention lovely? that because <laughs> yes, wouldn't that be lovely? Exactly. Because it Not goes an both ways. For me, but very nice for other people. <laughs> well, and, that, and, and Laura, you touched on a very important t- point that I talked about as well. Like uh, the priests, for example, that's a completely different story. That is their that is their calling. That is their job. That is very different. The sacrifice for that family as a whole looks very different. But in this case, in our <clears throat> average Joe people that are, you know, the congregants coming in and serving, we have to consider how it helps and serves our family or it doesn't. And you said it best that every season is different and every like it's everything is always temporary. Everything is just for right now, for right now. But in every season, you are setting an example. And so if your example now is leave mom with the kids and I go up and serve okay, I mean, that's the example you're setting. Or I am with my family in this period in their time of need. And then when the kids are of age, I am up front and then they're learning and I'm learning at the same time. And then we all serve together when they're old enough and they're teenagers. You're hoping that that's the way it goes, right? That's idealistic. But that's what our goals are for our children is that they see us as examples as best as we can, even if it doesn't always look like it's taking fruit in them, even if it doesn't always look like they're, you know, listening or watching, they are, they are totally. And we know that. Yeah. And that's definitely bringing it back to the email we received. 
the fact that you are still in the service and that you are still committed to the service and you are still doing this um, for God, you know, whatever you're in, whatever capacity you're serving, whatever class you're serving is your child can see that. And that is having an influence, even if, you know, it's, it doesn't look like it yet. You know, they see your, your care, your love, the crafts you put together, you know, or the lessons you put together, they see that. And that does influence them. You know, I, I have to say like, um, one of this, one of like our servants is sort of in a similar situation where the kids went through a really hard time and she went through a really hard time. And then as they started to improve, her service was so much richer because she'd had that experience actually. And when she speaks to the kids, it comes from a place of like, love acceptance and experience that it would not have happened if she was still coming from that like young childless um idealistic perspective right like right she just comes with so much more compassion um having lived having lived it you know um yeah absolutely and and i think that that is one of the things that we preach in christianity so much that you know sometimes you go through a struggle and it's for a, a really much bigger purpose than just making you suffer. Like it doesn't, it, that's never the, that's never the ultimate purpose of, of our sufferings. It's always for a greater good or a lesson or an example, or for you to then turn around and serve those who struggle. Um, and that's really hard to receive and accept when you're in it. Nobody wants to hear that when they're in the middle of a hard time, be like, this is for a greater good. We get that. But once you're out of it and you look back, you can see so clearly how God was guiding the situation for a greater purpose. And um, we pray, we pray for it. Listen, service in any capacity is not easy, whether it's to your family or to the church or to your work or to your whatever, none of it is easy. And we've all agreed that the Christian life is not an easy life, no matter how it looks. But when we, you know, Laura, actually, I recently discovered, you know, that verse, and I'm going to butcher it, um, do things heartily unto the Lord and not unto men. Oh gosh, I can't remember it now. Yes. Something, something, (laughs) do it unto the Lord. Do Do it heartily unto the Lord. I think it's all things. Yeah. Do all things unto the Lord, heartily unto the Lord and not unto unto men, something like that. (laughs) And I used to think, Laura, that that meant that I'm doing it for God. I'm doing it for God. And so I should always remember that the greater good is I'm doing this for God. But the truth of the matter is it's not it's not for God that I'm doing it for God. When I'm doing stuff because God has asked me to do it, it's such a lighter burden. And I'm doing it for God because it's easier for me instead of me just working and slaving away and trying to get through each day when I know I'm doing it for God and the greater purpose is it's, it's to refine me and it's for make life easier for me. And God is giving this to me as a gift. It makes it easier to do these hard things. And I know that's kind of a tall order to understand when you're not experiencing it, but the the conclusion that I'm trying to get to is even when it's hard, but it's for God, it's not as bad. And when things are, when you're serving, especially, even if it doesn't look the way that it's supposed to, the kids aren't showing up, you know, in service, you're doing all of this stuff and the kids aren't showing up, or they seem like they didn't enjoy it, or your own kids are not doing what they're supposed to do, or you and your spouse are fighting. All of these things are a a, a bit of the path along the way that I think is going to help us. And you shouldn't stop just because it gets tough. 
Yeah, it's all part of the journey of the service. I, I found the verse for you. Colossians 3. Oh, and then of course I lost it. I think it's 313, isn't it? 323. Yeah, close. 323, okay. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. That's There we go. Very there rich. we go mm. for the greater good, right? The inheritance, for the inheritance that we we labor towards. <laughs> so we hope that that's encouraging in any way, and um, and know that there's again no part of service that's just easy and handed to you on a silver platter. But don't let the circumstances of your own life and the circumstances of the lives of the people around you that are serving stop you from doing what you need to be doing. Um, keep going and fight. <laughs> Yes. And don't judge others, I think is where Madonna started this. And, and I love that she was brought it back to that. You know, like if you're currently struggling, know that it's okay. And God is working alongside you. And if you are looking at someone else who is struggling, <laughs> yes. understand that God is working with that person right now. So um, we all take our turn. We all take our turn. And uh, I know that we were trying to end the, the conversation. I'm sorry, but I actually have an example of a time that I <clears throat> was not understanding of someone's circumstances and it went very poorly. And I will tell you, I, I can't believe I'm going to call myself and put myself on blast, but I actually made another servant cry uh, recently and it was very bad on my part, but um, the specific servant was, was late um, and I was not kind about it to say the least. I, and I should have held my tongue. I'm, I know that now, but I wasn't kind about it. And the next thing I know, she broke down and cried and it was because there was all the stuff going on at home. And I did not know. All I saw was the end result, which is you're late. The kids are waiting at the door. The parents are asking where everybody is. Like there's like, nothing has been brought up. Nothing's been set up. That's what I saw. I did not see the whole situation behind the scenes and I reacted to the end result. And that is something I always preach not to do, but I did not do that in this moment. And it was an immediate rebuke from God <laughs> that I got that being like, you don't know what's going on. Please do not, please do not sit on your high horse and tell people how to conduct themselves when you don't know what's happening. So I always say that about the kids, right? I always say that about like our students. Yes. Don't know what the students or the Sunday school kids are going through at home. Like have a little bit more compassion because you just don't know. But it's true just even for our fellow servants. Like we don't know what they're going through either. Exactly, exactly. Um, and sorry if we took this this conversation in so many different directions, but it was a really loaded one. The more that Laura and I talked about it, the more we were like, man, there's so many layers to this and pieces to this. But in the end, please keep serving, find ways to serve, whether it's your family or your church or however God is calling you in this moment. But we pray for you. We pray for the servants. And there's a reason that we pray for that in the liturgies. We pray for the servants and we pray for the deacons and the priests and all of that because it's tough. It's hard. So God be with each and every one of you. And um, yeah. Oh, and we have mm -hmm. one other announcement, which is that we have a new Instagram account. Mm -hmm. If you would like to follow us directly. It's at Raising Up Cops, and uh, we're excited to start it, and we'd love ideas for what to put there and what you'd like to see there. But, um, and of course, you it's could still a skeleton right now, but yes. come on in. <laughs> come on in. The water's fine. Yes. 
All right. Until next week. Raising Up Cops is a production of Coptic Dad and Mom. This podcast is hosted by Laura Michael and Madonna Lawindi. None of the views expressed during this recording are the official stance of the Coptic Orthodox Church or its hierarchy. These are our personal opinions, collected experiences, and organic discussions on selected topics. If you'd like to reach out with any questions or comments, you can reach us at raisingupcops at gmail.com.